Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Now we're getting there. We are in the book of Romans today. And if you were paying attention to the Sunday School Facebook group, then you know that I asked you to bring a physical copy of the Bible today because we're going to be jumping around quite a bit in the Bible today, which uh, I think that every once in a while... Exercising our sword drills is a good thing to do. So today is week 28 of Romans, and the text uh, for this week and next week is Romans 10, 5 through 21. And since it's such a long text, we split it up into two weeks. Uh, so it's the message of salvation to all. So we are right smack dab in the middle of the great big section on uh, righteousness to the Jews. So this is still the audience. Um, and that's kind of where we're coming out of today. Now today's lesson, since we're splitting it over two class periods, we're only going to get through part of the explaining the text, just a little bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a section of the questions that I have, I regularly blow past pretty quick. And I want to really stop and soak on this so that we don't uh, get lazy in our Bible study, uh, but that we do uh, some good practices and good techniques and good process. All right, so we're going to start reading in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, and we'll go all the way through the uh, 1021. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But though through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And this means that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return. And Sarah shall have a son. 
And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good nor bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. So what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called... Not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them shall be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is a righteousness that is faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So a lot of heaviness in that text. And if you have a copy of the scripture that uh, offsets or italicizes or somehow makes note uh, typographically that Paul is quoting a portion of the rest of scripture, there's a lot of it in here. I mean, a whole lot of it in here. So the first question that we typically ask each week is, are there any literary or structural observations? And there's a gob of these. And as we have gone through Romans, I've been waiting for an opportunity to kind of stop and practice going and looking things up and understanding the context of the reference, not just of the portion of the reference that is quoted. Because I want to, I want to make sure we all understand how, uh, how teaching, how one of the approaches to teaching occurred in the New Testament. So several of you have heard me say this several times, so I'll, I'll move quickly, but uh, it was a very question and answer oriented way to learn. And if I wanted to ask uh, Matt Ayers, what is two plus two? Matt would not respond with four. Matt would respond with, what's the square root of 16? And Matt would demonstrate not only that he knew the answer, but how to rephrase and get to that same, and you're thinking, oh, wow, that's a, that's a mean math teacher. No, maybe a little bit. Uh, but in the formal training that Jewish uh, teenagers, if you were smart enough to make it that far in school, and certainly the rabbis, but in rabbi training, they would teach them the art of asking and answering questions. And many times when the rabbi would quote a portion of the scripture, the rabbi is not actually talking about that particular line. The rabbi is talking about the next sentence or the couple of sentences after that. So if I were to say, if I were to quote to you John 3.15, if I were a rabbi in the New Testament time and I quoted John 3.15, you would think and you go, oh, he's, he's talking about John 3.16 because he's leading me into that. And then I need to have a response. What's my theological response to John 3.16? And what you would do is you would quote the passage right before the text that you wanted to answer with. Now, does anybody think that this sounds complicated? It's extraordinarily complicated. You have to have an incredible grip on the Scripture. Now, yes, I fully understand. No rabbi in the New Testament would have quoted John 3.15. John 3.15 didn't exist right then, right? I, I get that. It was a really bad example, but... Why did you understand where I'm coming from? But you had to have a really good grip on the scripture to understand what's going on with these questions and answers. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through all the citations that Paul uses in this text to make sure we understand what is he referencing? Like where is he, literally, where is he coming from in the Bible to frame and to justify his argument that he is making here? Because he is, he is spelling out how to be saved. Would, 
Would you agree? I mean, this is the, the title of the lesson is The Message of Salvation to All. And this includes the, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, it includes everyone believes in him will not be put to shame. It includes everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, these are the, these are the go-to Romans road passages for, I've got a pagan who is repentant, and like bring them to the cross. Well, these are the verses. All right. What I want us to look at today is what does Paul surround and support that argument with? From the Old Testament. Because salvation by grace through faith is in the Old Testament too. It's just clearly articulated in the New Testament. So, your handout today does not look like a normal handout. Because your handout is literally BibleGateway.com's copy of... uh, Please tell me I got the ESV. I did. Okay, great. It's nice when you double check when you're actually teaching, right? There we go. Uh, it's the copy of the ESV, and on the front side, it's the text, and you'll notice that if you look at uh, verse 5 at the very top, it says for, and then little parentheses, a Moses. Now, that's not, he's not like picking a Moses out at random. This is, there's a reference here to something else. And you flip over to the back side, and a is cited from Leviticus 18.5. So, Paul quotes from Leviticus here. Now, now that you're on the back side, I want to show you where we're, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Now, do you see point B on the back side, the cross-reference B? Do you see how it just says Nehemiah 9.29 and Ezekiel 20.11 and 13 and 21? Those are not quotations. Those are references. Those are, hey, like you should be thinking about these passages. But it's not the actual text that Paul is quoting. What I want us to focus on today is not A through AB, which that would, we would need like six hours of looking up and reading and so that's, that's a lot. What I want us to focus on are all the ones where it says cited. So A is a cited, uh, G is a cited, uh, we've got O is a cited, the second part of there from Joel. We've got uh, R is cited. We've got T. Is, and T is a different color because I clicked on that one. I wanted to see what it would do in BibleGateway.com. So that's a, oh. a used link. Um, that, was, that was me, not them. So don't worry about that. Uh, v is cited. X is cited. And then AA and AB. Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now, I'm completely okay doing this several different ways. Uh, There are enough here for every table to get one reference, and then we all kind of come back after we spend maybe five minutes going and looking it up as a table and figuring out what's the context. Here's the question we're trying to answer. What's the context of the reference? What's going on and what's, what's happening in that passage in the Old Testament somewhere? Now, you'll also notice there's a whole bunch of these New Testament passages, but that's really more around the there's a similar concept, there's a similar thought, there's a, something that's additionally helpful around this topic. Um, now, some of you have figured out at this point that I am using Romans to do a couple of different things. One, I, I would really like us to learn Romans. That's kind of the, the most important. But two, I am every couple of weeks talking about and going pretty deep into a Bible study idea or concept. And I want to make sure as we go through this that we're putting tools in our tool belt and practicing these things. Because, hi, my name's Jim. I get real lazy sometimes and just think, oh, I know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what that is about. I don't need to go look that up. Well, if, if Paul quoted it, maybe we should take just a second to go and make sure we understood what's going on there. Because you might, but I haven't read the book of Joel lately. 
so citation O, and I'm really confident I couldn't tell you what Joel 2.32 says. So this is also a great way to see the real author of the Bible and how interconnected the Holy Spirit is with these thoughts and ideas from all these different guys that wrote the Scripture, which is, I think is just a beautiful thing. So if you would like, we can do them all sequentially just as a group, or we could split them up individually at tables. Uh, and I will open the floor for a motion or a suggestion. Dave? So you're, you're voting for the individual table mode? Yeah, okay. Any objections or contrary ideas? have a motion in a second. All in favor say aye. aye. All opposed by like sign. <laughs> All right. Hearing none. Motion carries. And let's divide them up. So Dave, you've got which one? All right. Are we going in order? Excellent. It sounds like we are. So we've got A. Not, all right. I got to come back over here. Sorry. Nothing wrong with your page. Tim just dashed all the ones that were cited, so I'm going to come back and make this easy. Uh, Romans, uh, oh, sorry, we got Deuteronomy 30, 14 in G. Who's got G? G, all right. Fantastic, great. Um, my, my dad's nickname with his grandchildren is G. So when I said the words, who's got G, I thought, I don't, nobody's got G. He's not here right now, so that's weird. Um, we asked him when, it, when we were, my sister and I asked him when we were in high school, what we wanted, or what he wanted uh, his grandchildren to call him. And he was reading the newspaper at the time, and he puts the newspaper down, and he says, gorgeous. And he raised the newspaper back up, and was like, all right, well, cool, whatever. So when Anna Grace was born, we taught her to say, tried to say gorgeous, and it, it was mostly just G came out. So that's what he ended up with. So. Uh, all right, so that's, that's G, and then O is Joel 232. We'll take all right, great. Now, y'all know how to find Joel, right? It's, it's a sneaky little devil. Um, I shouldn't say that about the scripture. I'm sorry. It's a small book, and it's easily overlooked. Uh, R is Isaiah 52. Got Isaiah over here. Uh, T is Isaiah 50. How about y'all do Isaiah 52 and 53? Is that all right? The, the R and the S. or I'm sorry, the R and the T. And then the V, we've got Psalm 19.4. Got Psalm 19.4 in the front. And then X is Deuteronomy 32.21. Joe, I'm looking at you. Excellent. Wow. And then, uh, actually, there's two more in Isaiah. We'll have you all pick up those two as well. So, uh, AA and AB. So, great job volunteering there, team. Well done. <laughs> all right. So I'll give you about five minutes, and we're just going to practice. This is everybody actively engaged. Uh, a good strategy might be for everybody to read the text um, and get the context and then discuss. So we are, our objective, our objective, just to remind you, our objective is to answer the question, what is the context? What is the context of Paul's quote in Romans that he is pulling from the Old Testament? I want to know what is the Old Testament context of that quote. What is the Old Testament concept, context of that quote? Feel free to use the section headings in your Bible. Those can be helpful sometimes. Those of you that have study Bibles, resist the urge to cheat and borrow. All right, everybody, let's circle back and uh, let's do a quick report out.
Oh, I feel like I'm at work now. That's, ugh. Julie, would you like to? No, we're not. Um, so, <clears throat> got these stare of death right there. It's fantastic. Darla, would your table like to go first? What, uh, what text did you have this morning? Deuteronomy 30, 14. Awesome. Good. So what's the context of this? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. G. There we go. Wonderful. G for good. Sure. Absolutely. G for glorious. G for G whiz. We're finally going to get into the promised land. Um, So what's the context of Deuteronomy chapter 30? Yes, they're lost. Yes. Yes. Is this part of Moses' sermon at the end of Deuteronomy? Is that where this is? Okay. Yeah, this is where he's standing on the... He's saying, look, you could do one of two things, right? Okay. And they are told to uh, what could happen if you follow, choose life, and what happens if you don't. Yes. Which part of the... is Is our verse in the life part or in the death part? It's in the life part. Okay. Okay. He's saying the law is, it's, it's not something you have to, you've got everything you need. We've, oh, we've imagine that. And what verse in Romans chapter 10 are we referring back to there? Verse 8. Verse 8. So what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. So, so Paul may be saying this idea that God's word is close is... Is a, is a long-term concept. This is not something new. This is, the word's been close for a very long time. And he's quoting who? Who specific? Moses. And do you think Moses' words would have some weight to a Jew? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So he's using Moses as an example. All right, great. So another table. Dave, you got it? So you're, which letter? Letter A. Letter A. Okay, from the first verse, yep. The verse is, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. Okay. And 18.5 is in a section of Leviticus dealing with unlawful sexual relations. Oh, wow, that's so, wonderful. Which, in a broader context, is just before the section on dealing with zombies, apparently, because it's the law. Yes, blood. yes, it is, yes. There's some, the 18, 19, 20 are, like, like, don't read those right before you go to bed at night because they will freak you out. <laughs> but, but looking at it from the section of Leviticus, Leviticus being a, a book of the law, yep. uh, dealing with the, uh, with no disrespect in minutia, yep. the, yep. the real specific yep. uh, analytical parts of that yes. and so forth. And so, in, in contrast, specifically in chapter 18 that it's referencing, it's comparing to another set of laws which were given by the world at that time of sexual purity and yes. the, the temples and temple worship and stuff like that. So um, he's making a contrast in Leviticus there and Paul's making a reference to Moses and about the righteousness that's based on the law and then that's compared to the righteousness. Excellent. Good. So again, uh, Moses reference. So we've got two Moses references that he's pulled from the Old Testament. Good. All right. Who's got another one? I'm looking back there, Joe. 
You got it? All right. Which letter did y'all have? X. X. All right. X marks the spot. Let's see what X is. X is uh, Deuteronomy 32, 21. Okay. So in the same kind of, we're first cousins over here. So we've still got Moses preaching. It's a really long sermon. It's a really good sermon, but it's a really, really long sermon. Okay. Uh, that was uh, verse uh, 19. Okay. There. And the whole section is kind of talking about uh, how he's spoken to Israel and yep. given them a chance. And right before that, he says, did they not hear? And then I assume uh, that is saying, yes, they heard. And then ours is saying, did they not understand? Uh, and uh, this verse specifically says, they have made me jealous with what is no God. They provoke me to anger with their idols. So I'll make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Mm. So he's saying that... And does God ever do that in the Old Testament? Yeah. Does he, with other nations that come? Yes, absolutely he does, right? So this is part of the what happens if you don't listen, part of Moses' speech. And they basically invoke every aspect of what happens if we don't listen. Uh, that, whole, that whole right hand and left hand speech that Moses gives is... It is a foretelling of the entire Old Testament. It is shocking. So, All right, Tim, what y'all's table got? Which letter? Go Jay? My brother here. Let him handle it. He's got his exacto pen with his level underlining verses here. All right. Got the precision engineer table. Well, I assumed he was going to take it. Oh, okay. Well, he is now, so that's okay. I am now. I got it. And, it. and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where's this at? This is in Joel 2. That sounds like Romans, man. It does, a lot. Yeah. So, so calling upon the name of the Lord is not a new New Testament idea. No. I like Psalm 28 as well. He says, and my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit yeah. on all flesh. That's so right. God's yeah, imagine that, right? That's right. That's right. So, so Paul's pulling these... Old Testament concepts into the New Testament writings and saying, look, guys, this has been there. I'm not preaching something brand new. Like, I'm organizing and structuring in a way that this is a good logical argument, but these ideas have been there. Salvation's been by grace through faith. It's, it's what it is. All right, so we've got 19 Isaiah references. Um, can we summarize those in a way that is um, <clears throat> concise or not really? Who's the speaker? Everybody's looking at you, Miss Jessica, so. <laughs> that always gets down. Um, so for the first, first two that we looked at, um, it was all around, well, let me find my notes again, uh, the Lord's coming salvation and how he's redeeming like, Jerusalem. Yes. So, um, you know, the context being that, like, the 10, 15, where was that? Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, oh, wait. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how before the feet of those who preach the good news. So that's an Old Testament quote? That's the Romans. Yeah. The New Testament, or the Old Testament quote. That's okay. This is family time. (laughs) 
All right, I'm going to come over to this table while you guys regroup. So what do, what do we got at this table? We've got which letter? B. B? B is in Victor. Victor, Victor, yes. Uh, so we've got Psalm 19.4. Sorry, that was a Star Trek reference. Um, <clears throat> somebody over there got it. I couldn't tell who got it. So, so what's Psalm 19 about? Psalm 19.4, their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. So who's there? Um, well, to find out that answer, you have to actually read the first uh, three verses. You have to read more than just the, know, the verse shocking. that he quoted? Oh my goodness. We oh my goodness. The whole psalm. Um, <gasps> it's a Davidic psalm. David wrote this. Um, and he starts off, The heavens declare the glory of work. The sky proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. He's saying everything is self-evident. Um, in the passages following, um, it's like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. It rejoices yeah. like an athlete. He's talking about Christ. So the first six, seven verses. So, so he is saying this is evident and this is about Jesus. Would, would that be consistent with Paul's larger message in Romans? Look, this is evident. It's about Jesus. Absolutely. He's saying it's not only about Jesus, but it's correct. So he's putting the choice to the Jewish people. That's good. It's evident. You know it's true. You've got to decide. So, did, did I teach this morning? Not really. I just told you to go look and read and... Just kind of come back with how this fits together, right? So here's what I would like for you to do. I would like each one of you that wrote down your observations to take a picture of what you wrote down and post that in the Sunday School Facebook group. Post that picture because I want your notes because your notes are probably very, very good. And it is a large perspective and I'd like to see what... <clears throat> And even if you weren't the speaker at your table, I'd like your notes. That is good and helpful. So we have officially run out of time for Sunday school this morning, but what I would love for you to do uh, is that weekly update. Uh, and we'll do the what do the words mean and what are the uh, observations and implications and all that stuff next week. So, yes, ma'am. You I did, yes. I absolutely did. Uh, it's, called, it's called crowdsourcing Sunday school. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite terms. Uh, and uh, if you will do that weekly update, uh, pray as a table. We need 11 tables set up with tables and chairs in this room before the last person leaves. So if we could make sure that the last person isn't responsible for that, that would be even better. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today. And next week, we'll dive into all the words and all that fun stuff. Thanks, guys.